Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church's podcast, where we are taught by the Word and led by the Spirit. I hope today's message encourages you and challenges you to draw nearer to Jesus. Real quick, before I release the kids, um, many of you know, you've been around, maybe you haven't, but uh, Andrew has stepped away from our teaching pastor position here at Cobblestone, and I have stepped into that. Ugh. And um, that sigh has sounded real positive, didn't it? Um, if you guys, if people, those of you who know me, and most of you know me, like I, I wear my emotions and they just, here they are. So um, I, I, I would ask you as the body um, to be praying for me. Um, ooh, to be praying for our elders. To be honest, we're in a great place. But God has led us to some uncomfortable places. Uh, me stepping into this role, as much as I do like to teach and preach, and I feel like it is a calling on my life, um, I take it serious, and I love you, and I don't want to get in front of you guys and oversee teaching. And I'm not the only preacher. The other elders will be talking too, so bear that in mind, but... I want you guys to be praying for me and praying for hearing the Lord's voice, speaking truth, that God would just bless this role. Um, he blessed it with Andrew. And I thank you. And I love you. And I know you stuff those things down. And I don't. See, Andrew and I make good friends. I have all my feelings just blah, 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 blah over He's stuffing them down, so it's a great relationship. I talk, he listens, right? But I love you, Andrew and Anna, and I thank you. And if we're going to just take a moment, let's just pray a blessing. Because this is a seasonal change for me, for them. And that's kind of my message is how seasons change. So um, just join me. Uh, Lord, I just thank you. Um, <laughs> you like how I make it weird? I'm coming over here. <laughs> Well, here you are. Uh, gosh, Lord, I thank you for this man. I thank you for his friendship. I thank you for the example he has set at the pulpit as a teacher. I thank you, God, for his wife. I thank you for their family. And Father, we ask in Jesus, your mighty name, that you would just put a lamp on his path, their path, that you would lead them, that you would continue to use them in a mighty way, that you bless everything, Lord. They're going out and they're coming in and their home and their business and all the things, Lord. And I thank you, God, for this man. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, to help me to walk in a similar uh, gifting. I know that's kind of selfish maybe, but you, taught, you, you showed him how to preach and teach, and he's really blessed us with that gift. And I would just simply ask for, for that on my life too, uh, that I would be able to articulate Scripture and understand it and teach it and, as he did. Uh, Father, I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Let's get serious. Um, if you're a kid and a volunteer, if you guys can get up and head out. Thank you. Might have to grab some tissues.
The crying's okay. It's the snot, right? It, thank you, thank you. The crying's okay. It's when your when your preacher's just snot dripping down, and and uh, occasionally that is the case, and that's a bit embarrassing when that happens. But so Grover, if you see a booger or something, just just point and just so. Yeah, you're the booger protector. That's what your role is up here. You sit close, guys. You gotta you gotta be there for me. Um, all right, so turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to get into it in a minute. Uh, but Philippians chapter 4, and put your finger on verse 10. Um, we're going to kind of dig into some different things. But before I get into the scripture, I wanted to talk about, as you heard, seasons, right? Things coming, things going, things changing. Um, when I went to Bible college, I went to Bible college in Columbus, Ohio, and I had some friends that came from California and New Mexico, and they were like, oh man, we're in the Midwest, this is great, we actually get seasons now. And oh, it's snowing and it's great, they love it. And then it, they get that idea, what we all experience, that gray, right, where it just doesn't stop. It's gray, it's rainy, it's depressing. Suddenly, they're not so excited about the season change anymore. They're like, man, where's the sunshine, right? Where's the warmth? What are we doing? That one snow, that's fun, but this season has to end. And so those guys would end up going back. And then you start to go, some of you even know this, and maybe you're from this area, but you go to other areas and you're like, why do I live here in the Midwest? What, what are we doing here? Oh, well, we're serving the Lord and we're walking where he wants us. But, and I really do like seasons, seasonal changes, and I like where I live, so don't hear that, but but I, I could take some uh, San Diego weather for a while. Um, anyways, so I want you guys to think about in your life, what seasons have you been through? What season are you in right now? What season are you getting ready to go into? Where are you? What's going on? And so I wanted to kind of set our minds and our hearts on how seasons change and different things coming and going and so on and so forth. But let me pray. Father, I thank you um, that you would speak. You speak through change. You speak through change. And I know that and I see this in this message. And I'm thankful that you speak in many ways, but through seasonal change, you have spoke to me so many times. And so, Father, I ask that in, in Jesus, in your name, that we would be quickened and hear what we need to hear in the season we're in, the season we're going in, or the season we came out of, Lord. That we would learn, that we would understand, and that we would hear your voice. So I ask you to speak clearly, Holy Spirit. I ask you to put your finger on some different things in each individual Christian and speak and lead us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So in this room, there's so many different people in so many different seasons. And there's the first season, that's the natural seasons of change. You go from a kid to an adult, a student, right? We got students in here, high school, college. Then you go from a student to an employee. You go from an employee to a retiree. <clears throat> there's natural seasons of moving. 
There's natural seasons of going from single to married. That's a big season change. Uh, there's there's a seasonal change from going from a, a married couple with no kids to a married couple with kids. That's a seasonal change. Then there's empty nesters in here, right? And that's a seasonal change. So there's these, and grandparents. So there's all these folks in this room, and we're all in different seasons that we really didn't have a say over. It just happened. It's happened to us, and it's happening around us, and it is what it is, Okay? So there's others in here, and that I've pastored for a while, that go through difficult season changes. The difficult season changes are sickness, disease. Somebody gets a bad diagnosis, you enter into that. You're taking, some of you are taking care of your, your in-laws or your mother or your parents or that season. Um, maybe it's a tough season that you're going into that's jobless, right? You're trying, or you're trying to change your careers. Uh, maybe it's a tough season of breakup. Maybe it's a tough season of divorce. I mean, this is stuff we see in church all the time. There's seasons of loss. There's folks that have lost loved ones and spouses and and young ones. And and, and that's a season of change. All these things. Family, all these things. And these are not good season changes in the sense of like, yeah, I wanted that, but I'm in it. And some of you are there. The last one that... I see, and I know in serving the Lord, the Lord moves us into seasons too. He, he doesn't want us just to stay. Everything's always changing with God. He's growing us. He's maturing us. He's taking us from one thing to another thing. And so then this one comes through, the, 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 th- the seasons that God does for us comes through business change, jobs, ministry, moving. That's another one that's like God will lead you to move towns or move into to missionary fields or whatever. I've seen it all. Church change, that happens. Some of you actually were led by the Lord to leave another church and be a part of Cobblestone. And in various ways and various things, and that's been my story. I've been a part of Cobblestone and I wasn't a part of Cobblestone and now I'm a part of Cobblestone. And I believe the Lord had change in all that. I believe it was the Lord's doing. I really do. Heather and I both believe that. The bottom line is this, is everything is changing. Everything is changing. And I want you guys to really sit and think, what season am I in? What season am, am, I, am I in naturally? What season am I in spiritually? What season am I getting ready to go into? What is God preparing me for? What is God doing in my life? And I I actually just, Dave kind of touched on this too, so I wanted to say, if you're a non-believer, you go through seasons too. But I believe, and I would speak to you non-believer, a person that has not put their trust in Jesus, seasonal change for you is to reveal that you don't have a foundation on Christ. Seasonal change for you is to reveal idols, like things that you thought were so good, all of a sudden it's not in your life anymore and you come crashing down. And And you don't have the foundation of Christ. So seasonal change can actually lead a person to say, I need Jesus, and I want to put my trust and hope in him and the finished work of the cross. And that's okay if that's where you're at. That's my encouragement, our encouragement as believers. But for the believer, seasonal change does this. It reveals, all right? It exposes. Sometimes it exposes seasonal change. Something happens in your life. It exposes something that that God wants to deal with that you need to deal with. And you wouldn't have seen it without that change. You wouldn't have been dealing with it without that change. And the seasonal change for the believer also tests our faith. It could test our faith. 
So I'm a car guy. I like cars. I'm not a mechanic. My brother is, and so I don't speak mechanic-ese. Um, you ever talk to a mechanic, and they just start telling you everything wrong with your car, and you're like, look, dude, I don't know. I don't know what you're saying. Anyways, that's him. Um, but if you have a car and you're getting ready to go into a cold season, there's a few things you need to pay attention to. And some of you that don't take care of your cars, you'll know this. Like if you don't take care of your battery when it's really cold, your car won't start, right? Your tires, uh, Brooke Ann, is Brooke Ann in here or is she back there? All right, Brooke Ann, your, your tires, shoot, last Friday when that big old snow hit on Friday night, I talked to her husband, my son and his friend were in the ditch up out there close to Oxford Pike, and Brooke Ann was stuck on that hill trying to climb that hill. And, and I'm not saying you weren't ready for winter, Brooke Ann, but I'm just saying that your vehicle couldn't make it up that hill. So whatever that is. Um, so you got to be ready for seasonal change. Sometimes it's tires. Some of you guys change tires and, and have your wife drive this or your wife drive that. Same thing for the heat, right? You go into the heat and your AC doesn't work. In the middle of the winter, it doesn't matter. We don't need AC. But it can, when it's 90 degrees and your AC doesn't work and you got a bunch of sweaty, crying kids, you're like, we need some AC, don't we? Or your car overheats and sitting in, so somebody didn't take care of it. So seasons expose and reveal and speak to us. And our Lord uses them and wants to use them to speak to you today. So I want you to go into... And I got about three thoughts that are from the Apostle Paul, who's probably my favorite guy to study. Three thoughts that I think will help us in the seasons we're in, the seasons we're going to go through, and uh, so on and so forth. So, look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 10 through 13 with me. All right, I got to keep... I'm going to try to move at a fairly fast pace because I, this is some good stuff. I hope it makes sense, but it made sense to me, and I really liked it. And I'm like, I even told Heather, I was like, oh, it's, it's still kind of fresh because when the Lord starts speaking through Scripture to you, you're like, I hope I can explain this. So I'm going to do the best I can. Bear with me. Ask a lot of questions at another time. So, <laughs> so anyways, look at Philippians 4, verse 10, and let's look at 10 through 13. I'm going to read it, just kind of unpack it. Um, it's Apostle Paul talking to this church, and he gets to the end, and for sure, I want to put this in context, this is, this is literally about money and finances, but there are some lessons in here that are about seasonal change, because money, if you know anything about money, money can change your season as well, and Paul knew this. Verse 10 says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now that I am speaking of being, not that I am speaking of being in need, so he's talking about money, he's talking about them giving him some money, this is his answer to them being generous. For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I underline, underline learn and to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance... I have learned, there it is again, the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And then he says this incredible verse that does tend to get misquoted for things, but he is talking about money, but I think it also is applicable for everything Paul went through. He says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And who's the him? Just say it. Jesus, all right, look at us. We know it. We know our Bible so well. Um, what, do you, what do I want you to see in this thing? First off, Paul is speaking 
about situations, past seasons in his life. And he's been through some things. If you study his life, he's been through some things. He's, and he's telling us, he's like, guys, I know how to go up and I know how to go down. But I wanted to look at this, verse 11, it says, for I have learned, past tense, Paul has learned. Some of you are in a learning season right now. God is teaching you he is faithful. God is showing you that he will not fail you. And you don't like that because let's be honest, this, this particular seasonal change, it's not fun to be poor. It's more fun to be wealthy. I have been both, to be honest. I've been in a lot of debt, very scared about paying my, I'm not sitting here saying I'm wealthy, that sounds horrible, but, but I've been, I, I, can, I can witness to this. I have been so scared of paying bills that Heather and I were like living on a prayer, right? But I've also had abundance where I'm not sitting there thinking about, boy, electric bills and mortgages. I've had both, as many of you have. And so what Paul is saying, I've, he's been through the same thing. But it's a process that he's been through, and it taught him something, and it's past tense. And he's like, this situation, no big deal. I have been through a few things, and I have learned. The second thing I want you to see here is, and this is huge when it comes to seasons and change, he says what? In whatever situation I am to be content. He said, I have learned in whatever situation I am in is to be content. We don't like that word, do we? We're, why be content? We need to get more, make more, have more, obtain more. I don't want to be content. I don't want to be content. But Paul says, no, I've learned to whatever situation I'm in is to be content. Now, I want to warn you guys, this is another money scripture, but 1 Timothy 6.6 6 says, he's warning about the painfulness of riches, but he says, godliness with contentment is great gain. And I'm known, because I'm a businessman, I've known men that are so tangled up in making money and finding success that they put spiritual truths on the side and they get, they get all like their, their idol becomes money, achievement, success, academia, maybe at intellect, getting that degree. This is the problem. These are hang-ups. So be careful, church, with discontentment. Discontentment can lead you down paths of destruction, and the devil plays in this very hard. He wants you to be discontent with your situation. And God's like, the, the God of the Bible is telling us, hey, I got you. And Paul's telling us, guys, I've learned how to be content. And look at verse 12. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance I have learned, there it is again, the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And I love that there again, the secret. And it's like it's no longer a secret because Paul, you're writing it to this church, right? And we have this. But he's basically saying the secret to do this stuff, to live learning, to live content, the way we do it is through I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Do you believe that? I mean, do you really believe that, Christian? Do we really believe that? Because no, I need more money. No, I need more success. No, I need my marriage. You, do you really believe that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you? Just sit on that for a while. Meditate on that scripture. 
Look at your week when you start to behave this way or chase that thing. Are you really living? And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's a question for me. That's a question for you. That's a question for us. Okay? Now, the question that I want to go in a little bit deeper because Paul's teaching here. Paul's teaching us how he learned. And I'm like, all right, Paul, have the floor, and this is what we're going into. The next question I would say, if I had Paul in front of me, is how do we allow or receive his strength so we can do all things that life on this earth expects of us? How do we get that strength, Paul? You, just, you said you had a secret, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So Christ strengthens you, I get that, but how do I get Christ's strength? How do I get Christ's strength? That's what I want to talk about. That's where we want to go. And Paul actually sets the table and gives us incredible teaching on how to receive Christ's strength in our situations, in our seasons, and in our life. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. Take a peek at that with me. And I, when I came to you, brothers, he's talking, this is Paul talking to the church of Corinth again, another one of his letters. He said, I did not come to you proclaiming, uh, pro- proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So Paul's basically talking to the church and he's talking about, hey, I know a lot of things, but I'm not going to come to you knowing, talking about all the things I know. I'm going to talk about Jesus and him crucified and the power that's in that. But verse three, it says, and I was with you in what? Weakness. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So Paul comes to these guys and he says, I came to you with weakness. I came to you and reflected something that you didn't expect to see. Okay? So remember that. Now look at the next one, 2 Corinthians 13. Just turn over there with me. If you've got your Bible, if not, they'll put it up there. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, 3 through 5. Now, this one, he was dealing with the church and dealing with some discipline and some different things that they needed his help to weigh in on and basically correcting behavior in their church. But verse 3 says this once again, Since you seek proof that Christ is speaking in me, these Corinthians doubted who he was and the authority he had, and they were getting pressed on by these super apostles. There's a whole lot of narrative here, but we're not going to go into all it. But the bottom line is Paul's like, listen, you may not respect me as a leader. You may not see me as that, but I am who I am. And he's an apostle and he's speaking. So he says, "Um, since you seek proof that Christ is speaking in me, he is not weak in dealing with you, but is powerful among you. Talking about Christ dealing with them. For he was crucified in weakness, but lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but in dealing with you, we will live with him by the power of God. So some of this stuff that you saw I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. To get the Christ strengthen me, Paul's teaching us and showing us you get there by recognizing your weakness. You get there by realizing you don't have what it takes. It takes him. 
And so this is what he's saying here for he was, and he talks about Jesus. And this is not Paul's idea. This is Christ's idea. And David alluded to it during worship. You guys understand that when Christ came, they were expecting an overthrow of the government. They were expecting an all-powerful, big guy leading the way, King Saul-type mentality with soldiers and armies, and he was going to overthrow and put the Jews back where they belong, and God's, Israel was going to be defended and ruled and reigned. But Jesus came, and Paul talks about this, Jesus came in what? Weakness, didn't he? I mean, it, it seems a little bit like Jesus, here he is, all-powerful, Jesus Christ, and he gets beat up, spit on, dis, just desecrated, and he ends up dead. And that's what we're talking about. And he says, for he was crucified in weakness. So Jesus set the standard and the secret that Paul's talking about, I believe, is he's saying, if Jesus got power through weakness, I'm going to get power through weakness. I'm going to recognize who's behind all this, and I'm just going to abide and obey and trust. So anyways, he says, but lives on the power of God, for we also are weak in him. So here he is. He's like, I've come to the conclusion that I don't have to have it all figured out, and I don't have to be the almighty man. I lean on Jesus, who has all power through the Father. Amen? All right? So you're seeing a track record here. Now, I want to show you one more. Um, and it gets even, Paul even gets a little bit more into this pathway and this way that he was finding strength. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. It's actually just, on my Bible, just a page away. 2 Corinthians 12, look at 8. Now, here's some context for you. On another story, Paul had some sort of affliction. There's a lot of debate. Some people thought he couldn't see well. He had Dr. Luke walking around with him. Dr. Luke does a lot of the writing um, that for Paul. And, and so, but long story short, Paul had an affliction. Paul had a situation. Paul, and I think it's physical, but some others might disagree with that. And it really doesn't matter. What happened is, is Paul went to the Father, went to Jesus, and he just said, take this thing away from me. And the Bible says that he went three times, and, and the Lord said, no, it's a thorn in your flesh. You've heard that. It's a thorn in your flesh. And bottom line is, Paul saw things, went places, third heavens. He witnessed things that normal people don't witness. And God told him, listen, I'm going to do this to you so you stay humble and you stay needy on me. That's what happened, okay? Because it didn't want mighty old Paul. Once again, God's helping Paul stay weak. You see this. God, in his grace, in the season change, in the way he's working, is helping the apostle Paul stay weak because God knows we are better weak because when we're weak, we depend on God. When we get all the answers and all of our strength and all of our ways, we, we start to push God away. We're better weak. And you're going to see it when I read it here. Whoo, I'm sweating, Hev. I have a sweat. I had the sweatshirt on and I thought, I can do this. Anyways. Um, okay, so, oh, three through four. And eight. Read with me on this. So he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, what I just talked about, that it should leave me, talking about the thorn in the flesh, talking about the, 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 the messenger of Satan is what it's called. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. You guys see that? 
Something that Paul's trying to, remember, remember, we're all the way talking back. He's like, I know how to get the strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, yeah? How do I do all things through Christ who strengthens me? Paul, and Paul says this. My great, God talks to him, says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. In Paul's weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Do you see that? Paul had this aha moment that I don't have it, have it all together. I just need to lean on him. I need to trust in him and his way and his thinking and his power and his provision. God will provide. He did. And it's so cool because he's like, my weakness is so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Verse 10, for the sake of Christ, then I am content. I am content. There it is again, a spirit of contentment. But what's he content with? And he just had this whole debate with God. And didn't he, he wanted out of his season of affliction. He wanted out of it. He wanted to be well. And he did ask and pray and do all the wonderful things that Christians should. But God said no. So when God said no, Paul entered into a season of contentment. And he said, I'm content here then. And he said, for the sake of Christ then, I am content with weakness. I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You guys get this? So I'm not like beating you guys up. I mean, I'm getting some faces here like, am I getting this? Jesus teaches Paul his grace is sufficient. God will meet you in the weakness. For where my power is made perfect in weakness, his power is made perfect in weakness. Listen to it this way. Our weaknesses... Our weakness, our acknowledgement and humility with and in them is the bridge to the strength in Christ. Do you believe that? Do you believe that your weaknesses surrendered and submitted to the Lord is actually where you can be strong? So let me ask you guys, where's your weakness? So there's two different ways we approach weakness. Weakness for this modern Christian mindset, it's either an excuse or a platform and a testimony. I don't have the intellect. I'm not smart enough. I'm an introvert. I hear that all the time. I will not evangelize because I'm introverted. Surrender that weakness and allow the Lord to give you the boldness to share his good message. I don't, I'm not good with money. Does that mean you shouldn't can't handle your money well? I'm just always jer a jerk. I'm always angry. What, what's your weakness? Where are you weak? And instead of hiding it and being embarrassed of it and sliding it over here and pretending you don't have it, Paul would say, boast about it. Bring it to the Father and say, I'm weak. I'm insecure. I'm doubtful here. Malcolm and I just had this conversation with his job situation, and frankly, with this preaching situation I find myself in. I find weakness in this. I don't have what it takes. Lord, I'm not good enough to preach to this church. 
I don't have the intellect. I think all these things, guys. But guess what? I believe in this. And I'm like, well, Lord, if you want me to do it, I'm going to boast in my weakness, and I'm going to trust you're going to meet me, and you're going to speak, and you're going to enable me to be a pastor, preacher, and a teacher. Amen. So I'm literally living this. That's why it's, we're on seasons. And, and Malcolm, not to put you all out there, but he was like, man, we were talking about anxiety. So many people like, oh, oh, I'm, I, I get anxious. Welcome to being a human. I mean, no offense, younger folks. This is like a thing. Well, I can't do anything because I get anxious, so I'm just going to lock myself in a room and just be on a computer. Take that weakness and apply it to Jesus and say, I got to get out there. I got to go. Surrender it and submit it. Don't let it be an excuse. That's what I'm talking about. Be a church that takes our weaknesses and we boast about them in Christ and say, look what I used to be, but look what God's done in and through me. Isn't that cool? Ah, I love it. And that's what I want to see. Because you'll see, uh, I'm listening to a book through Audible. Um, doesn't really matter. Lead with Prayer is what it's called. It's actually a really good book. And it's about a whole bunch of successful people in organizations and churches and ministries that are current. And it's, it's how they lead with prayer. And the one thing I've seen in it is that, that they're not sitting around making excuses. They're going to the Lord and they're walking in trust and hope and letting the Lord meet them in their weaknesses to do things they never could do without him. Okay, so where's your weakness? Is it an excuse or a platform? Is it an excuse or a testimony? This is very counterculture. We don't brag about our weaknesses, and for good reason, because let's be honest, that would be a mess, you know? Guys, you have Facebook, you have Instagram, you TikTok or whatever you guys do, right? Nobody's posting about their weakness, you always see, though, and not to pick on women, but sometimes women post about how great their husband is. Maybe I'm jealous my wife never posts about how great I am. Maybe that's where this is rooted in. Maybe this is confession time. No, <laughs> but they're always like showing the, tell me they're not. They're always, and there's nothing wrong if you do this. Don't, don't stop because I said this. Maybe a little, but <laughs> they post the romantic stuff. They post, oh, he made supper for me. Well, they don't show the times he just destroyed the house or he's, just walked through the house with his boots on or he messed up and he did this or he said that or he lost his temper. Nobody's posting that. Nobody's like posting, hey, look how big of a jerk my husband is today, right? I mean, you shouldn't do that. That would be wrong. But it's, it's what we do. We talk about the great things, right? Our kids, right? The kids' photos. Nobody's ever shown the chaos at home. And let's be honest, it's probably 80-20. You have probably 20% of your life that's that picture. That's sweet. That's wonderful. Click, this is great. And 80% of it's a circus, right? But, but we don't boast in our weaknesses. We hide them. We pretend we don't have them, and we don't, we don't, oh, our lives are all together. Our marriages are all together. Our finances are all together. We got it together, don't we? That's what we do. That's our natural humanity. We want to hide things. But Paul's like, no, not on my watch. Job interviews. If you went in and told him, I'm really lazy, right? You might not get the job, but I'm really a lazy guy, and I'm going to use company supplies and take them home. I mean, okay, Okay, you're not getting the job. Don't boast in your weaknesses at a job interview. But my point is we don't. We cover up, we hide. And dating, right? How many of you guys go on your first date and you're like, I'm not romantic. <laughs> I'm going to forget your birthday. I did forget her birthday once. And then I'm not even going to make a big deal about it. You mean, right? I didn't advertise all that when I was dating Heather. I was telling her how great I was. 
And she knew it, and she believes it. Anyways. <laughs> All right, my, I, I, I want you to take a look. There's this, there, she's in this book as well, and some of you know who she is. Her name is Johnny Erickson Tata. Um, and she, if you ever get a chance to listen to her testimony, please do, because she's living weakness, strength combination. Um, her story is at 17 years old, she was raised in a Christian home. She was on the worship team, blah, blah, blah. She dove into a pool at 17 or 18 and broke her neck. And now she's in a wheelchair. She's been in a wheelchair and, and doing ministry for the kingdom of heaven, preaching the gospel and traveling all over, writing books, testifying. And I heard an interview by her just recently, and she just had double pneumonia in her lungs, blah, blah, blah. Maybe this is probably in the last year or so. And and she said, I'm incredibly needy. Mind you, she's, she's paralyzed. She's in a wheelchair. I think paraplegic would be the right word to say, but I'm not sure. Um, she's in a wheelchair, and she has people, caretakers. And she said, I've realized my strength is in my need. So she wakes up every morning, and she says, I'm so needy to God, it's ridiculous. I just start beating on heaven, saying, I need you. I'm upset. I'm hurt. My body's in pain. Meet me in this. Meet me in this. Meet me in this. And you know what God does? And this is her testimony. He meets her in it every day because his grace is sufficient. He didn't heal her. It's what she wanted. It's what we want. But he's meeting her every day. He's meeting her in the lonely and in the hurt and in the frustration and that's the, 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 the power that's made perfect in weakness. And she's watching that. And she says this, deny your weakness and you will never realize God's strength in you. I'm going to say it again. Deny your weakness and you will never realize God's strength in you. Dwight L. Moody, Moody Bible College, just great evangelist. Lots and lots and lots of people gave their life. He says this, real true faith is man's weakness leaning on God's strength. Real true faith is man's weakness leaning on God's strength. Okay, so my next point, I'm moving on. I'll talk about the weakness. I think there's something there. I want you to recognize and walk in. The next point of going through a season is trust. Going through a season is do you really trust God? And maybe we don't have the right perspective, so I want you to think like this. What's the Father's desire for us through season change? What's his hope? And this scripture, has, in, in my charismatic past, has been kind of misused and abused, but we're going to read it and we're going to talk about it. Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, verse 26. Now, you guys ever had a Bible chapter or a book or a verse that captured you? I want you to kind of grow in this and maybe even start asking the Lord, Lord, capture me with scripture. And what I mean by that, and this is what's happened to me, I felt just this little nudge to read Romans 8. And I've been reading it and listening to it over and over and over and over again and asking the Lord to speak to me. And every time I start to move away and read other things, which is fine, I feel this pull, go back and think and meditate on Romans 8. That's what this verse has done for me. And the Lord, the Holy Spirit will do this to some of you guys. He'll actually put a scripture on you and hold it over you and on you. And there's stuff he wants to speak to you. It's not a one and done. It'll be, he'll be just, just sit with him, meditate on it and say, Lord, speak to me in and through that scripture. It's what he's done through me. 
uh, through this scripture for me. One of the things with Romans 8 that's very cool, it's, it says Jesus is interceding for you and the Holy Spirit is interceding for you. Everybody's interceding for you. It's kind of nice. That's what I like about it. Anyways, 26 says this. <clears throat> Here it is again. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. So now we have this weakness. We understand our weakness. Who else wants to help us in our weakness? The Holy Spirit who resides and lives inside of us. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Isn't that good? Yeah, he does. He's like, that's what, according to the will of God. I want you to think about this. And then verse 28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose, for those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. Pay attention to the conformed to the image of the Son. In order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. Underline many brothers. And then 30 says, And those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. There is a lot in this. There is depths and layers and good teaching and good theology all in this. But I want you to grasp a couple things and we'll move on. That scripture, all things work out for the good of them that love the Lord. First off, Men are always redefining what God defined. That's when we run into trouble. When God says love is this, we redefine it, don't we, as a culture. When God says marriage is male-female, and he has, and he does, we want to redefine it. So guess what? Here it is again. When God says what is good, we and our humanity want to redefine what is good. And we lose our eternal perspective over words. God is the author of this stuff, so he has the right to declare what it is and how it works. So in this one, he says, all things work out for the good of them that love the Lord. Yeah, good, good. But what's the good? And he says, number one, his purpose. The good is his purpose. But then go on a little further down. For those who he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. God's good is, is you and I, in seasons, becoming more Christ-like. That's God's good. And that might be a blessing. That might be a breakthrough. That might be a supernatural encounter, blessing, something really cool and hopeful, and I love that. But it might also be sitting in a wheelchair for 50-some years preaching the gospel. Because God's good is not your good. God's perspective is not necessarily your perspective. And so in seasons, there's this trust that we must have in change and different things. And this is what people do that love God. They say, I don't understand everything. I don't get anything, everything, but I trust you love me and I submit my life to you. Do what you want. That's an attitude. That's a prayer. That's a belief. And he says some of these other things. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to these image. Right? He foreknew them. That's an interesting word. And then it says, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. There it is. 
there it is again. If Jesus lived this way, we live this way. If Jesus lived and died in weakness and then power came, we live like this. That's the connection here. And I love it because it's like we're, that, we're family. That's really the plan here. God's good is to make you like Jesus, to make you part of the family. So elsewhere it says that you can call him Abba Father, that you have that type of relationship. And then there goes into these big fancy words about predestination and some different things that, that can really make our mind hurt. But I told Heather, I said, I really don't, I don't want to go up against a lot of super smart people. But I think Paul was really pressing on the, um, let me just read it. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. I think, and I'm, I think it's fair to say, Paul's not trying to get you to, to, to map out a doctrine and a deep theology, although it is there and it is good. He's trying to real, get you to realize this. You were desired. You've been planned. You've been pursued. You will be glorified. He's trying to get you to grasp that all of this good that God wants to do in and through you has purpose. It's different when, 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 when I tell my kids, man, you were wanted as a father. That makes them feel special. When you feel like, man, you were wanted. And so every Christian in this room, hear this, through that, you were wanted. Every believer, he, he predestined you. He sought you. He loves you. Way before you, way before time, he was thinking of you in and through Jesus. Isn't that cool? You, that, that's the difference. And that's how we start to realize that it's okay to go through persecution and hardship and difficult seasons because God is good and God is getting us to heaven and God's got us in this trial and, and situations and seasons of change. <clears throat> I'm losing my voice. That's a bad sign. All right. Number three, and my last point, as far as going through seasons. Whew. Don't lose focus. Don't lose focus, guys. Philippians 3. If you want to turn over there, just a page away from Philippians 4 there. Philippians 3. Once again, we're talking Paul. Also, I wanted to see my notes here, but if you say, man, am I Christ-like, take the test. The Christ-like test is Galatians 5. It's the fruits of the Spirit. And it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you want to know what God's doing and wants to do in your life, it's to produce those. So yes, situations, circumstances, and seasons of change will come. But the hope of the Father is to have you walk in those. Because when you walk in those, you're more like Jesus. And when you're more like Jesus, the dark world gets to see a light. And when you're more like Jesus, sinners are turned and drawn into saints. And when you're more like Jesus, you walk in power. Isn't that cool? Anyway, so number three, don't lose focus. Philippians 3, verse 7. a good one. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Look at this. Remember, focus. I want to talk about the gain he had. 
And this is the list of Paul's accomplishments. On the eighth day, he was circumcised. He was a people of Israel. He knew his bloodline. Tribe of Benjamin. He knew where he's from. Hebrew of Hebrews. This guy, I mean, it was, he was a full breed. Pharisee. He had religious merit. He knew everything. He was smart. Persecution of the church. That means he literally was zealous and he acted in it. Righteousness under the law and blameless. He was such a good legalistic believer in the, in the law that he was blameless. That's like, that's a pedigree right there, guys. That's like, wow, Paul, you're a bad dude. But then look at verse 7. This is the point. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes from faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of the resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. Now this is the heart that we must receive in the season of change. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on, make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And he says, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. There's some warnings here. When it comes to seasons changing and what God's wanting to speak and do, be careful that you don't hold on to the past. You got to let go of the past. Paul could have said, I, I worked so hard to be that smart. I did so much as a Pharisee. I have my, I'm disappointing my whole bloodline by renouncing that and trusting in Jesus. But Paul understood by knowing Jesus Christ and being known by Jesus, that mattered more than anything, and I'm willing to throw that all away and stand in this. That's, so so that's a, that, this is a hindrance in a season, and this is how you can make a season go a lot longer when you're not willing to let go of the past. When your kids are changing, moms and dads, and I'm living this, and they're going from cute little ones to adults. But you want to hold them down as cute little ones. You got to be careful that you don't hold on to the past. Embrace who they are now. Your marriage changes. Well, we used to be so romantic. We used to this. We used to that. Be careful that you don't hold on to the past. Honestly, in church life, I, I know so many older saints and wonderful, my mom and dad being some of them. And it's always about what happened 50 years ago. It's always about this revival that hit this and the Spirit did that. And I would encourage us, that's fine. Let's praise God for that. But let's press on and let's look forward. Let's look forward to eternity. Let's look forward to what God's doing here and now and, and right, right in your life. Be careful. Be careful of not letting go of the past. It can make your season go so much longer and so much harder. Be cautious of that. 
Don't hold the achievements, the accolades, and the moments. Lay them down. Lay them down. I see this um, even in church. I'm going to be honest. Cobblestone, some of you have been around for a while. And gosh dang it, thank you. For those of you that have been here longer than 10 years, thank you. Everybody else, screw you. No, I'm not just kidding. <laughs> That's what it sounds like, right? 20 years. I mean, this church, and, and, and we have changed. We've changed since I've been here. We've changed on some of the what we preach and how we talk, and, and we've become more of a continuous church, more spirit-leading and all that. And I just thank you for those of you that stayed, those of you that, that said, look, we're going to press on. Because sometimes folks leave places because they're like, it's not what it used to be. And that happens. And sometimes that's the right attitude. <laughs> but I don't believe for cobblestone. And maybe I'm biased, but I don't believe that. Let us, let's move on to what God has. Let's not live in that, what, what we used to be like, what worship used to look like, what we used to, hey man, praise God for all the folks that have served and labored and loved in and through cobblestone. But as a body, let's move forward. Let's press on. Let's grab a hold of who God is for us and let's walk in that. And be careful that you don't, you'll find yourself, oh, you know, whoa, the, the, the old, good, good old days. Be careful of the good old days. All right, worship team, go ahead and come on up. <clears throat> so there's three things I talked about and I'm gonna drop you off into prayer because I think you need to just spend some time with the Lord on this more than even hearing me talk anymore. Um, and here in a few minutes, you can go get your kids. But I want you to think like this. There was three things in seasons. I want you to realize your weakness and not be afraid of it. So for some of you, when this worship team's singing and playing, I want you to really say, Lord, help me to show, show me where my weakness is and help me to lean that weakness on you and not be uh, crippled by it. Use my weakness as a testimony. Use my weakness, my fear, these areas that I, I'm so, I, I, I surrender them to you. Take them. Show me how to be strong in them. So that's some of you. You have to do that. The second thing I talked about, and it is, is trust the Father. Because all things are good for them that love the Lord. And some of you are going through seasons where you don't feel like he's good. And that's okay because circumstance sometimes will make you feel like he's not good. And so you just need to spend some time praying to him and through him, letting the Spirit minister to your heart and say, Lord, help me to know you're good. This, this situation I'm in doesn't feel good. This circumstance is not easy. That's okay. But let him minister to you. Let him pour over you and in you. And just tell him, help me to know you're good. Help me to trust beyond the, 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 the season I'm in. That's a prayer. That's a heart. That's what I'm praying for you. And of course, the last one is, is focus. I want you guys to say, and maybe some of you just need to say, Lord, fix my eyes on you and the future and what you have for me and help me to walk forward and let go of some things. I love you, church. I'm praying for you. There'll be some prayer people come. Get prayer if you need it. Um, you got about five, ten minutes before you go get the kids. Just sit with the Lord. Let Him minister to you. I hope today's message has been a blessing and an encouragement to you. 
If you would like more information, you can find us at www.cobblestonechurch.com. Have a great week and God bless.